Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience, and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. Hello, friend. Tamara and I talk a lot about optimizing our wellness, right? We are self-preservation junkies. I mean, we have to be some kind of junkie. That's why you're listening to the show. Imagine effortlessly regulating your stress level. Can you imagine improving your sleep up to 30 more minutes of sleep each night, improving your physical recovery and elevating your focus all through the science of touch therapy. Yeah. So I started using an Apollo wearable, I want to say at least five years ago. Um, I can't remember when, but it has profoundly affected my life. And I didn't think about sharing it. I, I don't even know why it just never really it just never occurred to me. But then I uh, let my son, uh, I bought my son one. And the profound effects that it has had on him has really made me want to share it with others. Uh, So if you're interested in learning more about this technology, you can save up to $70 off during Apollo's Black Friday, Cyber Monday happening November 17th through the 27th. Now, again, what it's done for me is one thing, but what it's done for my son and his uh, neurodivergence and medication and this little thing that he used to do, it's gone. Uh, he told me the other day, you know, mom, I'm really focusing again and I really like it. And he wears it. He just wears it. He does it himself. It's so cool. So if you'd like to sign up and grab that $70 off during Apollo's Black Friday, you can find the link in the show notes. Uh, You can use the code LANE and you'll get that. We'll have it in the show notes and then you can grab that $70 off. I hope you enjoyed as much as I have and my kiddo. Okay, now let's get into today's episode. Thanks for being here. Okay, we're live and I'm hanging out with my friend, Dr. Dan. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Dan. Thank you so much for having me tomorrow. I really appreciate it. My wonderful co-host Lane is not here today, but she is here in spirit. So you'll hear her again next week. Um, But today's a really exciting topic because I personally know a lot of women that, you know, we're in our midlife and maybe their marriages didn't work out or they've been single and 
dating is can be a little bit challenging sometimes, especially in midlife, because I remember I was, you know, I I'm with a partner now, but you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I thought, oh my gosh, like, am I going to go on an app? Am I, you know, what am I going to do? I don't go to the bar anymore. So that is what we're going to be talking about and happiness and whatever else comes up during the conversation. But why don't we start off, Dr. Dan, how did you end up doing what you do today? Like, give us a bit of a background. What inspired you to focus on happiness and also dating? Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Lamar. Well, it's it comes, I mean, originally I am from Montreal, Canada. Okay. So I speak French. And uh, if anyone here noticed my accent, you know where it's coming from. I'm not Italian. I'm French. <laughs> then um, after I graduated from my uh, bachelor degree in Montreal, I moved down to Texas to do my master's degree in business and international in uh, international business. And then I went to move to DC where I did my doctorate degree. And I felt that throughout the time that I was doing all of this, I said, you know what? I, I have a different purpose. I feel that what I was doing before in the past was great, but it's time for me to be able to change course. And uh, so from there, I studied psychology. I studied uh, quantum physics. I, uh, that was always a topic that really was uh, fascinating to me. And uh, so I, I combined everything with clinical psychology, with the understanding of the universe. And with that, it allowed me to be able to focus my uh, interest in the science of positive psychology, which is the science of happiness, another more technical term. Um, so mm -hmm. I was uh, writing books about it. And my latest book that just got published a couple of weeks ago is called The Happiness Vortex. So, which is something where it allows people to understand science, understand uh, uh, spirituality, understand uh, quantum physics, understand happiness, psychology. It's basically a mix of everything that is written in a very concise and clear way. So anyone who have no experience in this field can actually understand and really absorb the, uh, the essence of it. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, you're speaking our language, first of all, science, Lane and I love to nerd out on neuroscience, you know, mindset stuff, emotional intelligence, and also spirituality, because for us women in long term recovery, that's a big deal for us. I believe that's what kept us here for so long. And yeah, the science of happiness, I think, so many people, especially in our field, it's, you know, we seek happiness from external sources and we wonder why we can't stay motivated. We wonder why we give up on things so easily. And, you know, having this background as well in, you know, neuroscience classes is, it comes from internal. I mean, our, we need that internal purpose, that drive in order to create that happiness that really floods into our external world. Correct. I mean, the thing is that we we are like a society of instant gratification. We want yes. that happens immediately. And going back to what you said that it's hard to stay motivated is because nothing happens overnight tomorrow. And because of this, people, if they don't see change immediately, they said, oh, you know what, maybe it's not worth my while. And because of this, they do not pursue or continue on with their purpose or their objective. Maybe something that they were on the right path, they didn't give it enough time to be able to make the changes. As you said that you were in recovery or long-term recovery, you, you don't stop drinking overnight. It's, it's gradual. It takes time, years and years of, in, in practice to be able to give up the urge 
to always wanting to drink when something goes wrong in life. So that's where the, the, the change, personal growth about happiness comes with the, the changes that you put into effect day in and day out, not for a week, not for a month, but for years. And that's why my, my podcast, The Happiness Journey, is called Happiness Journey for a reason, not Happiness Destination. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. And so you mentioned your podcast, Happiness Journey. Um, you also have another podcast called Love and Dating Gurus. Yes. Uh, you know, okay, we're going to talk about love and dating. But first of all, you know, what inspired you to start the podcast and focus on love and dating? Yes. Okay. So um, before uh, pre-pandemic, I had a TV show called The Happiness Journey. I was doing it in the local Maryland area where we had around 900,000 viewers. And uh, I was bringing people from all walk of life, authors, or primarily to discuss about their journey in writing books. And after that, because of the pandemic, the studio had to shut down. And it took a long time before they decided because it was state-run uh, studio. So it took a while for them to reopen. And by that time, I moved to Florida. So uh, I was not able to uh, continue producing show. But then it, made, it brought me to my attention and said, you know what? The local TV station can only bring people who are local. Why not bring people and cover all of the U.S. or even all over the world? And this is what I was introduced to doing podcasts. So I continued the same title of the show and transform it to a podcast where now I bring people from all over the world and from different places to be able to discuss about their own journey to reaching happiness. Mm -hmm. And then what about love and dating? How did you start that podcast? Because I mean, happiness, I, you know, dating, I think we all know when we find somebody we connect with, there's a lot of happiness in that early, you know, that honeymoon stage. But how did you get a, into a podcast on dating? Um, when I was doing the, the TV show, I was also bringing psychologists, dating coach, relationship coach to my, pod, to my uh, TV show. And then also because I'm a marriage counselor, I'm a relationship coach and a dating coach. I said, you know what? Maybe this is something that would pique interest to people in wanting to, especially nowadays with the dating scene and the mobile apps, the disappointment, the, the scams with Tinder, the Tinder swindler, the big story that we heard on the TV and all. Um, all this kind of like brought me to say, you know what? People need tools. They need to be very cautious about what's going on out there, not to be able to carry their heart in their sleeves, but use their brain. And because of that, it kind of like tempted me to create another podcast that allowed me to be able to disclose all those tools, all this information. So people, they could at least be very um, cautious and not really falling too quickly into the, the typical love bombing that you see, like when people like just declare their undying love towards you and uh, and other tools or other scams that they use to be able to take advantage of someone emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a great idea because I remember, you know, going back 11 years ago when I got sober, I actually got, ended up getting a divorce as a result of my ex-husband, you know, amazing person, but also an alcoholic. And so I was excited to get back into the dating scene at that point. I just thought, you know, I'm free. I'm I'm sober. I'm meeting all these new people, but, and I, you know, have experienced this as well, but we tend to go all in, right? We, that instant gratification. And I know that I would start to meet people and you just thought just by text, 
you'd be like, wow, I have this amazing connection, but you don't really know anybody. Well, and I mean, I've, I've heard of stories of people meeting someone and then a week later, they're talking about getting married. So yeah. I agree. Let's get this information out there so that people can do things a little bit more smart. I mean, you know, the, my last dating experience was not at all like that, but how does dating in midlife differ from dating when you're younger? Because as we know, they are totally different. Oh, I agree. This is a great question, Mark. The thing is, is that as we are in midlife, we have more life experiences. We have more relationship experience. Um, it can go both ways. It could be good and it could be very bad as well. The, the good part is that because we're knowledgeable, we don't really deal with the regrets that most people uh, kind of feed us. Um, mm -hmm. Conscious, we have basically eyes in the back of our heads. We really are well informed about what's going on and their own personal experiences that we had throughout our years of dating, getting married, getting divorced, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, we're also set on our ways. Okay, so what we've acquired throughout the years about what we feel is right for us, we are more stubborn in that uh, in that area and because we're stubborn we are also allowing or not allowing anyone to come in and to suggest new ways of doing things because we are set on our ways of doing things that we feel is the right thing for us so because of that because of this closed-mindedness that we are carrying with us um, it doesn't allow more flexibility and because of this lack of flexibility it kind of puts um more stress on the existing relationship that you have, or even the one that we're starting. So before it even continues, it ends. And then the cycle continues. People feel that it's never our fault. They're always going to point fingers at everybody else. Oh no, it's him that did it. It's him that, or it's hurt it. And they never really t uh, take any responsibility for their own behavior and their own actions. And that becomes a vicious cycle, which continues like a red wheel. And then they wonder why they're still single when they're 60 or 75. So, mm -hmm. and, but it's, it's hard to say, well, just change. Well, that's great to say, but not easy to do. Yeah, I would yeah. like to change, but why do I always have to take the responsibility of changing me? What about the other person? Why do I mm -hmm. have to abide by their rules and have to compromise my own happiness just to make them happy? So then it becomes more about an ego boost, about them saying, well, no, it's about me. I have to be selfish or I have to be selfless. I've been selfless before. It didn't work. So why start now? Okay. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, Tamar and I are super pumped about self-preservation and we have your back. We do. We totally do. We've got it. We know that you're here because you are looking for self-optimization as well. And whether you've been in recovery for 30 days 30 minutes, 30 years. I got to tell you, your liver, your genes, your DNA, your entire body has been impacted. And maybe it's time to make a change. Maybe you have wicked, bad, aggravated menopausal symptoms. You know what I'm talking about. And your bones are achy. Your joints need support. And maybe you have that heightened emotional instability. You're yelling inside and outside of your head. And sleep, it's limited. Yeah, sleep. Does it even exist? Hormonal imbalances, you know, this I can't lose my muffin top around my waist. 
It's an endless conversation. Well, good news is that tomorrow and I, we have something for you. And we are inviting you to get on the wait list right now. It's the Recovery Reset, a total hormonal upgrade. Think about superpowers. Think like total transformation. It's like going from a flip phone to a quantum supercomputer overnight. You'll run the show like a boss. Calm, serenity now, like never before. Sleep more deeply, lose excess pounds, and no more yelling. Imagine a new you. 2024 is waiting. Are you willing to invest in your future self? I think you are. Let's do it. Get on the wait list over at laughingwithoutlicker forward slash reset. We'll see you there. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's giving me flashbacks uh, because, you know, I agree we get stuck in our ways and I, you know, look back to, you know, minus my relationship today is all my previous relationships. It was the same pattern, right? But that I recognize that because I am in recovery and then I decided to take it further and take, you know, classes on mindset, neuroscience, emotional intelligence, and really look at what was I accepting in my relationships? What was I doing? And it was always the same pattern, right? It's one of my um, old sponsors said, you have a bad picker. And I laughed at first and thought, are you kidding me? But of course, every time I would notice the same patterns. And I think what a gift to come into a life where I'm like, okay, I want to get sober. I know I need to change my mindset. I had a very fixed mindset, which you had talked about, right? Or we're so stubborn and we have our fixed way of thinking. And then I was like, okay, I need to have a growth mindset. I need to understand that mistakes are okay. I need to compromise. Um, But I I feel I also am a little bit wiser. I say this loosely because I'm still a child at heart and can be very immature. (laughs) But I feel like because of all the mistakes I've made and all the education and learning I've given myself, I've been able to develop that growth mindset. And in my relationship today, we're very different people. But the communication is there. The compromise is there. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be open-minded when I hear something that I'm like, might not agree with, but it's, I can look at it, you know, from someone else's shoes today. So I think that's incredibly important. So, you know, what kind of strategies would you recommend to someone who's listening is like, nope, I know what I want and I'm not changing. Like just some strategies to get rid of that fixed way of thinking and that stubbornness. But you know, at the same time, it's good to be able to know what you want and not to because settling will bring another set of problems long-term. Because remember, the thing is that if, let's say, in the past relationship, you used to deal with someone who was narcissistic and you are an empath as a person, as a personality. And the thing is that you're always going to seek same type of personality in every of your relationship, knowing that this person may be toxic. But you keep doing it because this is who you are. Uh, If you are an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person, you're always going to be uh, affected by what the other person think or say about you. So that again becomes a vicious cycle, but it, it, there's nothing wrong to know what you want, but you have to be clear from the beginning because the thing is that why waste your time? Why wait until two, four months from now to tell the person that their behavior is not acceptable? Say from the start. I mean, we, we're not children anymore. We're adults, especially with a certain age. Why be afraid? Now, are you really afraid of being alone? And that's why you're restraining yourself from saying what you think? Or 
Are you afraid of being rejected? Are you afraid of being this or being that? So you have to really decide what's really important to you. Dragging on something that is unhealthy, toxic, that will bring more of a damper into your mindset of how you perceive relationship from this point forward, or kind of like pull the bandaid out and just, okay, it's going to hurt maybe the first day or two. And then after that's it, you move on. I mean, there's plenty of fish in the sea. There's actually a website about that. <laughs> we, we, we have so many choices, but because we have so many choices, then a lot of people are becoming serial daters. And then they just bounce from one person to the other because for them, there's always better, always nicer, always prettier, always taller, always richer, always this. There's always going to be something for sure. Mm -hmm. You have to decide where, where you, you kind of like put more of your energy in. Is it the personality or is it the status? Okay. Mm -hmm. You have to decide, you have to know yourself more than trying to know the other person. And that's a big problem in dating tomorrow is that people don't even know what they want. Yeah. And because of that, it causes them to always bounce like a bingo ball into the hole. They, they kind of like go back the, and it never really brings them any happiness because they'll date, they'll go, they'll do whatever they need to do. And then, oh, you know what? It doesn't fit me. Up to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just what you said, like make it clear from the beginning. And I think that's one of the benefits that some of us, I'm not going to say all of us get from being in midlife is we've been through so much of what we don't want if we're single that, you know, you have to know what you want. And sometimes that's by going through what you don't want and writing down the opposite of it, right? Which a lot of people don't take the time to do. Now, I know a lot of, um, a lot of women who are kind of, you know, either have gotten over divorce, they're becoming empty nesters now, it's that time. So how, you know, what advice could you offer to help women navigate that transition while like into pursuing a new relationship? Because I mean, if you, especially if you're a single mother or, you know, maybe you were a family and you're divorced now, that transition is different from having no kid to constantly focus on no husband, wife, whatever, how would you, you know, what advice would you give? Well, we have a lot of element at play here, uh, Tamar. One, if you're an empty nester, then your kids are really grown up. So when you go on dates, you don't need to worry about getting a babysitter or getting to deal with all of that. So that's one thing that, uh, and now that we're approaching also the holidays uh, very soon. Now, a lot of people, this is the time of the year where a lot of people are lonely. Okay. A lot of people are either, they just broke up before the holidays or they're in a relationship or their, their divorce just got approved. So now they're separating They're just, you know, they're, they sold their home, whatever it is, and they live alone. And this is kind of a big shock, mental, emotional, spiritual shock, whatever you want to call it. But deep inside having to, to celebrate the holidays alone can impact you in a very deep level because you're used to having all the family around you and now there's no one. So that for a lot of people, they may just want to be alone and just say, you know what? I'm just going to pass holidays. I'm just going to deal with being alone. And that's that others, they cannot stand being alone with themselves. So they're going to either want to be able to go with friends or try to be able to go out, go on dating apps, try to meet people, etc. Um, but they have to be ready. That's the thing. People, they just kind of jump from one to the other because of the fear of being alone. Because if you start fearing 
not wanting to be with yourself and not accepting you for who you are, then that becomes, that goes into the mental illness part, okay? Which that has to be addressed with a professional, uh, either in the either bipolar or borderline personality, whatever that is. But people have to really address it and not let it linger for too long because that's going to come and bite you in the butt, okay? Mm -hmm. so, but for the rest, they, they could just kind of reintroduce themselves when they go on dates, don't expect anything. That's number one, okay? Because if you expect too much from the other person and the other person doesn't deliver, then you get very disappointed. And the disappointment will make you just give up on finding the right person. So it's kind of like an avalanche. So one little trigger will just bring down the whole mountain of snow. And then before you know it, you're basically buried. So you have to kind of like detach yourself from any expectation, go out as just saying, you know what, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to meet a lot more people. I'm going to see exactly which personality matches with mine. And if we both feel the same feelings towards each other, then we could decide or at least consider pursuing this. But if not, hey, I know one more person out of the 7.8 billion people living in this planet. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we talked about it briefly earlier about safety. So online dating has obviously grown in popularity. And I think I, you know, 11 years, 11 years ago, when I started dating again, after my divorce was finalized, it was scary because there was a lot of people who reached out and just wanted to hook up for one night. There's a lot of people that portray themselves to be, you know, different than who they are. And I mean, I watched the Tinder swindler, uh, I think last year, some point, And I mean, the stuff happens and, you know, my partner and I have, um, two 18 year old girls now who are starting to date. And I mean, we've already experienced, you know, someone who was, or had a record and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, in midlife, we have a little bit more experience. So we're aware of the dangers. But what are some strategies that women who choose to do online dating can, you know, can implement to kind of ensure a safe and fulfilling experience for them? Okay, um, that, that depends on how much they want to be able to get to know the other person. Because again, if you also go on a dating scene and you say, you know what, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to go for friendship. I'm not interested in any romantic, then the, the, there's no issue there. But it's all about catching people in lines. Okay. Now, also, you have to be careful because if you focus too much on the red flags and you don't pay attention to the green flags, then that can actually be dangerous for you as well because then you're only seeking the negative in that person. You're not looking at the, what the person brings in positive. So you have to be also careful with this because we, we always talk about uh, be careful with those red flags because of all this and this and this. But you don't pay attention to what the good of that person brings to the table. So you, you kind of block yourself from really listening to what they have to say. And you always search for the bad things about that person because we're so accustomed to that, Tamar. Mm -hmm. Everyone tells us, oh, be careful with this. Be careful with that. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Yeah, it's good to be cautious, but also overly cautious can actually put you in a situation where you're going to end up dating no one. <laughs> so that that is one thing that people have to be careful about. But also, you know what? The only way is, is that to go back to your question, set yourself a series of questions before 
you go on date. Because the thing is, is that a lie is very hard to remember. The truth will always be easy to remember. So if they tell you, oh, I have to go see my grandmother, uh, like uh, she's sick, whatever it is, ask him a couple weeks later, oh, how was your grandmother? I said, what about her? You know, right there that it was a lie. Mm-hmm. So you need to really be protective of yourself, not to fall for everything that's being said by everyone. Uh, but at the same time, just kind of enjoy the journey. Because mm-hmm. you know, the thing is, is that every lesson that you learn from going on dates or lesson that is are acquired and they're going to stay with you for life. Okay. So it's never, you never call it a waste. I never yeah. feel it to be a waste. It's always acquiring new level of intelligence that will always guide you to finding the right one. And when you find the right one, you will know. And I feel like, you know, what came to mind was listening. You know, all throughout my early recovery, I was always told to shut up and listen, like, you know, and I learned a lot, you know, paying attention to people, giving them space, like the the space to be able to be vulnerable and share what they're feeling. And you're right. I mean, in the beginning, when you're actually truly listening, instead of planning your wedding, um, you know, which I know a lot of people who <laughs> in the time, you know, early last year when I started to date again, I had a couple friends who were also dating and you could just see, uh oh, you know, like we're, we're going too fast in these kind of things and just paying attention to other people. But when I had met my partner, you know, and you say, be open-minded, right. And just have the conversation and stop focusing on all the red flags. I remember thinking like, you know, we had connected on an app and it's like, Hey, do you want to chat? And I thought, Oh, is that, is that too quick? Is that, you know, like, and I thought, wait a minute, Tamar, stop. Because, you know, this person is mature. They want to talk on the phone. They don't want to sit and text or message all day. They want to just have a conversation and what a better way to get to know, right? Someone. And I mean, let's face it, when we haven't dated for a while, it can be awkward again, because we have no idea what we're doing. And it's kind of exciting. So I always try to look at it as the other person is probably feeling just as awkward as I am right now. And to give them that grace of like, it's okay, like, wouldn't you want somebody that's a little bit awkward, then really, you know, and in a way, it's good to be able to talk to them because if he's the one who initiates it, then you know that this is not someone from Nigeria or other countries out there that, that cannot even make the international call. So at least you know that they have at least ways. And then you could also hear the accent. You could hear where they're from, et cetera. And you could really kind of decipher the the, the kind of approach that they utilize to be able to, uh, you know, to talk to you, et cetera. So this, this is always good. Those who actually are seeking to talk over the phone is much better than those who are stuck wanting to interact on messenger or text or whatever it is, because this is, you know, for a fact that, okay, we've been texting for two, three weeks. There's something wrong. He still are always coming up with excuses to go either on video call or whatever it is. So these are signs that people have to pay attention to. I mean, don't be blindsided by them telling you that you're the love of their life. They cannot even imagine that they found such a perfect person like you, knowing that you're not perfect yourself. So it's kind of like, okay, you know what? This is too much. This is too too much eagerness. So there's something wrong there. So always be on alert, but not be overly alerted by certain type of behaviors. Because again, if you're always seeking or searching for the red flags, 
trust me, you will find them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because anything we focus on, we're going to get more of. Correct. Like only <laughs> the test, no matter which way. So it's, it's important to kind of detach yourself from this mentality. But overall, I think tomorrow that because of the, the overly use of mobile applications, um, there's no more privacy, no more security that are implemented by the providers of the mobile apps. So now they're targeting children. They're targeting um, people who are really vulnerable. There's no more security features. And because of that, we're, we're not heading in the right direction when it comes to mobile application. This is why we see more people wanting to meet face-to-face. And now we see more events that are conducive to getting singles together and people attend versus having to go online and getting financially destroyed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, do you think, because I, I definitely see that shift in people wanting to go out, but for women in midlife, I mean, they have groups like Meetup, um, stuff like that. It's, I mean, it can be scary to go out there and because, you know, we don't go to the bars anymore. I remember that's where we used to meet, um, you know, but what are some, what are some kind of, what are some things that, you know, women, men can do to go out and meet people? What would be your suggestions? Well, okay. So if you're passionate about health and fitness, the best place is a gym because a fitness facility, even though you go there to work out, but you have people who share the same passion for health and fitness. And at a certain age, you have to give your health a priority because if you don't, it goes, it just goes downhill and then you're sick more often. And then that uh, impacts your mental health because being sick all the time, mentally, you'll be depressed and anxious. So, you know, go in and go to the gym, go to different classes, uh, yoga or, uh, or anything that has to do with, uh, also like Pilates or, or biking or anything like that. You mentioned meetup. That's actually a good idea because you share the same interest. So that is something that is kind of like sorted for you already. It's kind of a filter system because they sort or they filter what you are interested in. So that's something mm -hmm. that's good. Um, or go for walks or go to different parks. If you have a pet, you're going to definitely want to be able to have someone or meet someone who has a pet. Uh, someone who has kids, there's always groups for that. So again, it's, it's all about how much effort you're willing to put in to be able to experience a positive out of it. So mm -hmm. more you put in the effort, the energy to be able to research and more you'll find, and then you'll be able to narrow down to just a few groups. You don't need to be able to go to a hundred thousand meetups. It, that, that will not be good either because then you're just going to like not know where to turn your head. So just focus on a few of them, uh, be a part of the member, be, you know, attend the events because it's all good to be a member of meetup. But if you go to no events, <clears throat> What's the point of it, right? Yeah. Oh, so you have to kind of like put the effort to dedicate a night or two nights a week to be able to focus on meetup events. Or if you're a business person, like an entrepreneur, go to entrepreneur group. You're going to meet another single entrepreneur. And they both, you both know the sacrifice and the investment in time and energy to be able to build your business. So both of you will not expect to see each other on a regular basis because of that. You know that you have to put your energy into the business and they will understand that and you will understand that in, in uh, about them. So that is another way to be able to get connected. So there's multitude amount of uh, ways to do it. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time on the podcast to be able to explain each and every one of them, but you get the idea of where at least you should narrow down your energy to be able to figure out exactly what suits you best. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think I like how you, you know, mentioned entrepreneurs because at, you know, when you're in midlife, a lot of us are either kind of stuck in our ways, like we talked about earlier, or we've developed passions over time because we kind of got sick and tired of being sick and tired of the life that we were living beforehand. And it does like it, you know, it's not like when you're young where you want to spend every single waking moment with that person. So having that understanding and also the expectations that you mentioned earlier, that's a big deal. But I want to, you know, as we start to wrap it up, Talk about communication and boundaries, because that is one thing that in this last year and a half, I have really learned is that communication and boundaries is the key because before, you know, I, I felt like I was really settling. I, you know, have been with a narcissist before, you know, so I've, I've been through a lot, but this time from the very beginning, because my partner and I have been through such difficult life challenges not ones that we've created, but just that has happened in our world that we have really, I feel like been forced to communicate right from the beginning. And I was taught, you know, before I would always lean out, right? As soon as something happened, I would lean out of the relationship, but now I've learned to lean into the relationship. And therefore it's given me such a, I think happiness and gratitude and such a sense of joy that no matter how hard life gets, when you find that person, like when you find your person and you learn to communicate from the beginning, how different your relationship could be, even if you're completely different people. So what advice would you provide to women in their midlife when it comes about that effective communication and setting boundaries? Okay, that's a good question because that's a very, very delicate. It's like a landmine. Because the thing is, is that when you meet someone that you really adore, that you find a lot of like synergy with, um, they will become your support, your beam, like in a house, your support beam that uh, that uh, holds on the roof. But then at the same time, if you expect too much support from them, then you do cross boundaries. Because then every time that something happens, you're going to go to them. That person may say, okay, that's great in the beginning. But after a while, said, you're an adult. You have to figure things out. Okay. So that in itself may, may put more damper in the relationship if you always constantly expect the other person to solve your problems. Okay. So that in itself will detach the other person from you. And more you feel the detachment... And more you're going to want to go towards them and more they see you going towards them and more they distance themselves towards you or from you. So then it becomes a cat and mouse race. Okay. So how do you, you know, how do you avoid that? Well, first choose what's really crucial when you do need support. Okay. If you're going through like mental illness and all, yeah, you could seek some support, but go to a professional. Your significant other is not a therapist. Okay, that's one. Um, but when it comes to anything about, hey, I have an idea for business, uh, give me your feedback, that's fine. But don't expect that person to open and run the business for you. You got to do it yourself. So all these things are very delicate because yes, okay, well, he's my support, but I'm never asking him anything. Well, talk about it. Hey, you know what? This is what, you know, we're both supporting each other. We're both helping each other. What do you feel is when I will cross your boundary? Talk about it because you don't expect the other person to read your mind or vice versa. 
So just go and ask question, communicate about it, and see what they say and take notes, okay? Because it's important. You will forget very quickly and those boundaries will be crossed. Mm -hmm. So it's important that you write down, that they wrote down as well what your boundaries are, and then you abide by them. You respect them because if they tell you what the boundaries are and you still cross them, this is just a huge disrespect because you address the problem and it's like you completely ignored it. So what does it tell the other person? I said, what's the point of me telling her anything or telling him anything? They're not even going to listen. So reflective listening or active listening is crucial because always reiterate what they said, not like a parakeet, but more like a paraphrasing way to be able to let them know, okay, I understood that this is what you mean. I'm going to make sure to abide by it. That's all. And this is what a lot of people lack is communication, Tamar, because if you have communication, we will not have 50% divorce rate in this country. Mm -hmm. I totally believe it. And um, I just like the boundaries. I've been seeing a therapist for probably about 20 years now. So I have that in my relationship, but also as part of our communication early on, it was, okay, how do you, and I think it was actually beneficial that we had been through so much hardship mm -hmm. early on because we could see how each other deals with grief. Correct. how we deal with stress and being able to communicate. Okay. You know, for example, you know, my partner will tend to kind of need to disconnect for a little bit, process what's happened and then come back into a conversation. Whereas I've always been someone that because, you know, when I was younger, I always sought that acceptance and that approval from my father, I would need to know, right. I would need to know what's wrong. And so, you know, for me, silent treatment is the killer, right? And we communicated that. I said, you know, one of the things I can't handle is silent treatment. So if you can say, hey, this, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of need to go into my own space for a little bit. I'm coming back like that to me, that's it. That's all it takes. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make while they're in that early phase of the relationship is, again, making expectations and not communicating your communication styles even. Exactly. And you make a good point because if you know what to expect from the other and the other person told you what they should expect from you, then there's no more doubts. No more about, okay, why is he distancing himself? Does he need love me anymore? Or does she love me? Uh, do they want to separate? Are they cheating already? Are they this or they that? And this is what causes more questions. And those questions, it becomes interrogation. And this interrogation becomes aggressive. This aggressivity ends up to be able to let the other person distance themselves even more. And then again, we go back to that same cycle. So there's not really any reason to be able to start assuming. Because you know what assume means, right? Mm -hmm. It's an asset of you and me. <laughs> yes, it does. So yes, I, I would I would suggest everyone, all the listeners of the podcast, who just kind of take it easy, um, enjoy the journey. Okay, mm -hmm. never really focus on the destination. There's no point to that because unfortunately, nothing is guaranteed in life. We don't know if we're going to wake up alive. Well, we cannot wake up alive. We wake up, <laughs> we cannot wake up dead, that is. Um, but overall, we have to kind of like just enjoy. It's like surfing a wave. You will look at certain waves. You may take some. You may, you know, dive underneath the wave for others. So you just have to kind of go with the flow and just adapt. We are really we're resilient uh, you know, creatures. 
and we need to be able to learn on the how to, what to avoid and what to go forward with. And this is where our level of intelligence kicks in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, in that, I mean, I know a lot of us will often worry about the future or we start to dwell in the past, which gives anxiety. And so being present is an absolute must, you know, in that early days of dating. And I asked this because, you know, I went through this and this was actually a really positive thing to get your expectations for what you want in a relationship out early because my partner said, you know, I would like to get married one day. <laughs> and, you know, not that you're going into planning your wedding from the first week that you're together, <laughs> but how, how crucial is that, especially in midlife to say, Hey, listen, this is what I want. Like, I don't want kids. I have kids, that kind of thing. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, it all depends on what you are, looking for. Now, if let's say you went into the relationship with your new significant other, if you didn't want to have kids from the beginning, then this is important to be able to tell the, that person. And also after a certain age, um, we have, there's limitation, there's more danger for the woman to get pregnant. Um, so you have to take also in consideration about their health. Okay. It's not just about being selfish here because who's carrying the baby is a woman. If she's past a certain age, first of all, the it becomes very difficult to get pregnant. But the second time around, the kid can also suffer from certain uh, illnesses. So you have to take all of this into consideration. And if you just don't want to have kids, but you're open to adopt, okay? There's a lot of kids out there that needs uh, good families. So you, you have to, to discuss about it, okay? Because the guy can <clears throat> impregnate a woman until he's like, until he's ready to be buried six foot on the ground. So again, we are structured differently. And all of this need to be discussed once you start feeling that there's a connection. I mean, stay, this is not topic of conversation, obviously. Uh, even second, third, some people say that after the first night that you guys are intimate, yeah, maybe you could start talking about uh, what the future holds. But again, mindfulness is crucial. If you think too much into the future, you forget to live in the present. If you focus too much into the past, your present will be atrophied. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's well said. And I think that's perfect way to wrap up the show. Now, obviously, we want our listeners to go and listen to your podcast, which we will have in the show notes. But if people want to get a hold of you and learn more about what you do, how can they do that? Sure. They could go to my website, lifecoachdenemzalike.com. I'm also present on Psychology Today on org.com, which is a lot of different platforms where people seek therapists. Um, I write a lot of different blogs. I write books. Um, the, my new books is The Happiness Vortex, so they could actually go and ask me for a copy. Um, and again, like I said, they could reach me at the, my phone number, 301-325-1550. And my email is dan at lifecoachdenemzalike.com. Amazing. And we'll have all that in the show notes for everybody. Dr. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the Laughing Without Liquor podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.